uh, we've been going through the book of James. We usually just go through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, and we've been going through the book of James. Uh, we're taking just a tiny little hiatus, a little bit of a break, but we'll be back into uh, James next week. Um, so that, James is such a great book for wrecking your life. Um, it just addresses all the things. It will not let you off. You know, like, the thing with James, I feel, is like, I'll read one verse, and I'm like, that's right, right? And I'm ready to be judgy about everyone who I feel is not living up to this passage of James. And then the next one just, like, pierces my heart, right? It's like, he just doesn't leave anybody out of um, conviction. So anyway, it's good. James is good for our soul. Um, but today I'm just going to do a little bit of a reflection on um, Psalm 103. So I'm going to get there eventually. So if you want to look that up, Psalm 103, I'll get there. Um, but uh, um, I think Paul and I are going through a midlife crisis. And I just I felt like I just need to be real transparent about all that. Um, Paul's 40. I, I can say your age, right? That's I, uh, can I? Here we are. Here we are. No, I am. I am. I must have it, I guess. Uh, uh, Paul's 45. I'm 44, about to be 45. And uh, 45 feels a little significant to me because it's like the bump to 50. I don't know. Like 40 was like, oh, that's fine. And not, I mean, 50 is going to be great. I just can't, I, uh, whatever. Anyway, um, 44. I'm going to be 45 in February. I think Paul and I are having this midlife crisis. And um, I appreciate the Groves Church and really the whole community for bearing with us through this process. Um, Jesus saves us from many things, but I fear that he's going to make us go through a midlife crisis. I think that he just lets us do that. Uh, he also says that his grace is sufficient, so I'm sure we'll be fine. But I'm just giving, I'm appreciating your grace towards us as we go through it together. Yes? Yes? Um, about this time every year, I begin to reflect back on the, on the last 365 or 366 days. And um, this past year for me has ended with this burst of creativity and energy. Um, I am addicted to Instagram. Have you seen? Do you follow? It's like, I have, you guys, I have three Instagram accounts. <laughs> and I try to get the Groves account too. So there are four Instagram pages that I am trying to curate. And the sad thing is that I would put so much more if it wouldn't seem like it was too much. You know, like I have plenty of content every day, mostly selfies. But you know, like there's just so much that I want to put out there. So there's lots of creativity, lots of energy that's happening for me in all of that. And at the same time, as the end of the year is kind of ending for me in this burst of energy and, and, and participating in things that I love, um, when I think about the year, it has also been a real heavy year. And Jamie was kind of referencing that a little bit when she came up. This year has been super heavy. Um, we've experienced death. Um, separations, divorce, stress, worry, all those things that come with life um, have been really heavy. I remember in 2016, we're like, you know, 2017 is going to be better, and then 2018 is going to be better, you know. And as a community, because we are a small community, because we share in life, because we are people who let each other know we try to, right, we're practicing it. We're, we're uh, venturing out, we're being vulnerable in areas that we haven't been vulnerable before. We know what's going on in each other's lives. Also, when you don't tell us, we kind of know what's going on because you're like, right? Because we're, we're, like, this is, a, this is a church filled with intuitive, relational people. This is not safe for hiding, right? And so um, you disappear or you come and we're like, uh-huh. You know, how are you doing? Fine, uh-huh. You know, uh, we know, we know what's going on. So. Um, all that to say, yeah, all that to say, it's not safe here, which is good. Um, um, I feel, I have felt life and death more powerfully than ever before in my life, in this last year. 
And if my, if my life were an Instagram photograph, <laughs> this is how I view everything from now on. It's the metaphor for all things Instagram. If it were an Instagram photograph, it would hi have high contrast, increased structure and sharpening, and it would just be too much. It'd be the ugliest photo you'd ever look at, right? It'd just be too much. In fact, I, was, I have a new hashtag that I'm putting on everything, which is too much. Um, how I've connected to God has been changing. Um, the things that used to inspire me, the things that used to energize me, that used to bring me life are no longer. I don't know if you've ever gone through a period of time like that, but it's really hard. Um, when I, uh, my reaction when I'm not connecting first is to try harder at that thing that used to be the way that I connected. If I listen, for me, worship music has been a way that I've connected with God. And I'm like, okay, more worship music, you know, like louder, I don't know, like 24-7, put the earbuds in, you know, like crank it up. Um, and yet so for me in this season, whatever it is, those things that used to connect me are no longer connecting me. Those same Spotify stations are not working. Um, the other thing that happens when a disconnect happens in my relationship with God or I'm feeling some kind of distance, my first reaction, another reaction is to feel bad or to feel guilt or to feel shame. Anybody else? Right? What am I doing wrong? That's like just a good upbringing that I've had in my, right? What am I doing wrong? And the answer is so much. You're doing so much wrong. That's the first thing that pops in my head. Um, and it's good to wrestle with when there is this disconnect, as I have been experiencing it, it's good to, along with the Holy Spirit, begin learn to discern and w go through that wrestling, right? What am I doing wrong? Because there might be some things that are going on that are dysfunctional. Um, and it's good with the Holy Spirit to discern between condemnation and conviction, right? Where the voice is like, because it'll be like, you're all bad, it's your problem. And then there's the voice of conviction. For me, that was like, well, you've been too busy. You've been distracted with things that you shouldn't, you know, you're not coming to me and, and filtering these things through me. You're just doing whatever you want to do. Okay, so there's the voice of the Holy Spirit, right? Which is good, still hurts, but there's truth. And it's like, there's free, like, there's like, oh, that's the path to freedom. That's how I feel when I hear that. Um, um, uh, but one thing that I've been learning through this process is, and relearning, re I should say, because I've known this in my head, but there's like this, law, this distance between my head and my heart at times, or things that I've learned at one time that I've completely forgotten. And one thing that I've been learning is God does not love me less or care for me less in those moments, right? Those words are, can be lies, but um, God will speak truth and life and correction and help, and dis he disciplines those he loves, yes? yes. Oh. Um, um, when I experience disconnection, I'm also, like I said, I'm tempted to frantically force a connection, play that music louder, do that more often, do whatever, whatever that thing is doing, doing, doing. Uh, maybe I blame God for being distant. Maybe I blame him. He's the one who's, he could, he could break through right now. Why isn't he doing that? Um, or maybe give God the silent treatment. <laughs> you know, you, you want to be silent? Fine. I'll be silent too. That always helps every relationship, doesn't it? Tit for tat. That always helps. That always makes everything good. Um, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a yeller. Maybe you yell back at God, right? You're not being, you're, where are you? You know, I have the full range because I'm an emotional, feely person. So it just depends on the time or place um, and my, re, my response and my reaction. Um, I've been wrestling with a lot of things. This is my confessional. Are you guys welcome to my brain and my life? Um, I've been wrestling with a lot of things this year. Um, um, I've been wrestling with God about the loss of our friend Jason from this community. Whatever neat and organized boxes that I had for faith and religion and God and pastoring and ministry have been irrevocably wrecked. They're gone. 
There are places that I used to be able to put things, ways that I used to be able to understand God, ways that I could explain him to people, ways that I could talk about who he was that are just, they're not adequate. If I'm honest with you, one of the things for me with worship music is that I think about, for example, oh man, what songs do I want to lead our community in worship this morning? And I think about the Washington family and I'm like, it's not enough. That's how I feel. Those words are not adequate enough to touch the deep loss and pain that that, you know, do you know what I'm saying? That's my experience. I, what am I going to say? Where are the words? So I'm wrestling with that stuff with God. Um, it's good, but it's hard. I'm working out my own frustration with my brothers and sisters in the faith. I'm asking God questions about immigration and refugees, about Jacqueline and Felipe, the two children who died after crossing the border. I was recently in Phoenix. A friend of mine drove me through neighborhoods where one street divided the haves and have-nots, like in such a dramatic fashion. Super nice houses, beautiful yards, well curated, all the things, and literally across the street, boxes. People living in boxes, you know? And, and I'm, 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 I'm driving down the street, my friend is showing this stuff, and I just feel sad and weak and impotent and completely irrelevant. Uh, as a, as a, I'm, I'm there, and I was there to paint art. I'm there to paint art. He's showing me the city so that I can kind of create out of this emotional place. And I'm seeing this, I'm like, wow, I'm, what, what good is art? <laughs> what good is music? What do I as a believer, as a Christian, what is there to say about this? What is there to do? I'm an activator too. I want to do something. What is it? What can I do? Um, I have these moments of just feeling so, so helpless, useless, and wondering where God is in all of it. And when we question the faithfulness of God, or if we wonder if God can hear us, or if he cares about us, or if what we do matters, I just want you to know we are in really good company. Um, I came across, I've been reading Jeremiah, which is a great book to read when you're feeling sad, <laughs> like, right? It's sort of like, well, let's put on sad music. I've also been listening to a lot of um, cinematic music. So it's very like strings and piano. And I'm telling you, I posted about this on my Instagram, if you follow me, but listening to cinematic tunes um, while reading the Psalms is a whole other level of amazing. Um, it will bring you to all the emotional places. Well, any, I just, on Spotify, I just put up cinematic, and then it comes up with playlists. Hot tip. So, um, I've been reading Jeremiah. Jeremiah 12, 1 says this, and this is just, as far as identifying Jeremiah, I just relate with him. He says this. He's like, you're right, oh God, and you said things right. I can't argue with that, but I do have some questions. Okay, I appreciate this because there is a, there is some kind of a foundation of trust, right? Okay, I believe I know who you are. You've demonstrated yourself to be true and just for me. But you know what? I also have some questions. Why do bad people have it so good? Why do con artists make it big? You planted them. They put down roots. They flourish and produce fruit. They talk as if they're old friends with you, but they could care less about you. Meanwhile, you know me inside and out, and you don't let me get by with a thing. <laughs> oh, man. Do you ever feel that way? Like, why is God on my case? He should be on their case, right? Is that just me? Yeah. Make them pay for the way they live. Pay with their lives like sheep marked for slaughter. <laughs> I read that and I was like, okay, Jeremiah. <laughs> Bring it back a bit, you know? Like, I guess I don't go to those depths with him. But um, he was like, take them out. How long do we have to put up with this? The country depressed, the farms in ruin, and all because of wickedness, these wicked lives. Even animals and birds are dying off because they'll have nothing to do with God and think God has nothing to do with them. It just, my, 
my, my continued prayer was, God, I am seeing things and experiencing things, and I'm wondering where you are and what you're doing. Where is your justice? Are you paying attention? Why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? That epic question, right? We know some answers. We've wrestled with it theologically. We've wrestled with the ideas. And yet, I'm not satisfied with the answers as I'm living through that experience. And here's the thing. I am not the same person that I was at the beginning of 2018. We are not the same faith community that we were at the beginning of 2018. We've been transformed. We've been changing. Life has happened. And maybe God wants to develop something new in us. Maybe God wants to connect with us in different ways. Maybe there's something about God that we have yet to experience. Maybe God wants us to rely on God and not a method or a thing or a pathway or a religious practice. Maybe this feeling of vulnerability and frailty and nakedness is good. Maybe we are closer to a right relationship with God in those moments of feeling exposed than when we are comfortable and safe in the status quo. Maybe. Psalm 103. When I'm overwhelmed, I go to the basics. When I'm overwhelmed, I love the psalm. Psalm 103. I'm going to start with verse 8. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. He is patient and demonstrates great, loyal love. So right off the bat, here's what was a reminder for me. This is God's posture and his position towards us. And this seems to be what God always wants us to know about him, his character, and his being. That he is compassionate and he's merciful, he's patient, and he demonstrates great loyal love. In fact, do you remember if, um, uh, the story in Exodus chapter 34? Do you remember Moses is like, hey, I've been, I've been following your commands, I've been walking with you, I've been leading these people, and I want to see you. I mean, is that not a call from the bottom of our heart at times? Look, I've been walking with you. <laughs> I want to see you. <laughs> I want to show me your face, right? I mean, I think we can uh, relate to that sentiment. And God is like, hey, look, um, if I show you my face, you're going to die because no one can see me and live. So what, what do you want? You know, Moses is like, okay, I think I want to live. And so he, he instructs Moses to go up to the mountain and to hide himself in the cleft of the rock. And God says, okay, you hide yourself there and, you know, you're back to me, your face towards the wall, and I'm going to pass by. And as I pass by, I'm going to declare my name, right? I've always loved this story because I'm like, if God is going to say something about himself and if there's something he wants us to know about him, he's going to, right, this is the moment. So Exodus 34 says this, Moses asked to see God, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed his name. The Lord passed by and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in loyal love and faithfulness. This is what God wants us to know about him. This is what he wants us to know. This is, what he, this is his character. This is who he is. Slow to anger, abounding in love, compassionate, merciful, patient, Note that God's love is active. God's love is, to quote DC Talk, love is a verb, right? God's love is a verb, and it's demonstrated through patience. What? I would rather not have loved him. I would rather have quick, you know, sometimes. His loyal love is demonstrated through patience. Imagine a world in which love is demonstrated through patience. Imagine a marriage where love is demonstrated through patience. Imagine a church and relationships, family. Imagine a workplace where love and respect is demonstrated through patience. 
I love the way that one of the commentators talked about God's compassionate love, compassion, God's compassion towards us. It's God's surging love towards his people. God has surging love towards us. That's pretty awesome. We, however, quick to flare up, limited in our capacity to love, we reach our limits with one another so easily, so quickly. It's so different from the loyal, surging, patient love that God has for us. Uh, we see this loyal love sometimes demonstrated in our world, and it catches our attention, doesn't it? Like when we read in the newspaper, this couple was married for 60 years, and we're all like, how oh, did they do that, right? It, it fascinates us. Or I also thought about loyalty and, and, and loyal love and um, those pictures of, it, it makes me sad, but it's like those dogs that won't leave the place where their owners have died, right? But you see this and you're like, there's something supernatural, like, right? In dogs and their faithfulness, yes? <laughs> citizens, I see this in citizens committed to rebuilding their neighborhoods. Um, or I, I follow uh, this Carlos Rodriguez who has this organization called Happy Givers. And they have been dedicated, like loyal love to Puerto Rico and restoring neighborhoods that have been destroyed. I mean, right, neighborhoods are not regrown in a moment. It takes long suffering love to, to accomplish that. I've been watching them and I see that there. Um, I see uh, a loyal love uh, in people who take the lonely, lost, or marginalized, and they bring them to whole health and wholeness. These stories, I think, are glimpses of the loyal love that God has for us. Let's go on. Verse 9. God does not always accuse and does not stay angry. He does not deal with us as our sins deserve. Thank God. He does not repay us as our misdeeds deserve. For as the skies are high above the earth, so his loyal love towers over his faithful followers. There's another beautiful image. So compassion, this idea of God's love surging towards us. Here's another picture, a biblical picture. God's loyal love towering over us. Like, I don't know if you ever walked in those big cities, like, right, where those huge towers and the psalmist here is like as high as the heavens are. So is God's love towering over us. As far as the eastern horizon is from the west, so he removes the guilt of our rebellious actions from us. Oh man, we do not get what we deserve. Instead, because of God's loyal love, he removes the guilt of our disloyal behavior. The New Bible Commentary says this, God not only forgave sin and cleansed away its defilement, he even removed it out of sight and memory. Oh, that's good. That is really good. Um, in the practice, we've talked about this a couple times, um, one of the practices for um, the people of Israel was this ceremony of having a scapegoat. Do you remember us talking about this? So in part of the sacrifice, in part of ritual, there was a goat, and it was where we get this idea of scapegoat, where the sins of the people were placed on the goat, and then the goat was sent out into the wilderness. Right? Yes? I'm getting this story right? Yep. Yeah, but just making sure. Joe. Joe! <laughs> Yeah, our, we have multiple biblical studies people here. I'm just trying to make sure I'm, you know. Um, so this, so the sins of the people are laid on this goat. The goat is sent out. This is the picture of that idea, right? That our sins are being removed from us, right? Or the enemy would like to return the, right? He comes in, blame, accusation, accuser. God's 
God, the way of God, God's loyal love includes this um, take, removing um, the brokenness, our guilt, the guilt from our brokenness and shame and removing it out of sight and memory. Micah 7.19 says this, you will once again have mercy on us. This is about our God. He will once again have mercy on us. He will conquer our evil deeds and will hurl our sins into the depths of the sea. Like what a great promise. Um, as I was reading this about God's love, of course, I couldn't help but think about the love chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, right? Just a reminder, love is patient. Love is kind. This is God's love. It's not envious. Love does not brag. It's not puffed up. It's not rude. Oh, it's not self-serving. It's not easily angered or resentful. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is the love that God has. Let's go on, verse 13. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on his faithful followers. For he knows what we are made of. He realizes we are made of clay. A person's life is like grass, like a flower in the field. It flourishes, but when the hot wind blows by, it disappears, and one can no longer even spot the place it once grew. Man, I remember reading this and being like, what a bummer, you know? <laughs> like, and, and working, I work with flowers, you know, and I, they die. You know, like flowers, they come and go. And I'm like always timing it, putting in flower food, like getting the lamps, you know, all, all the stuff. But man, God knows that we are made of clay. Our, our life is like grass, like a flower in the field. The hot wind comes, it disappears. The spot where it, where it once grew is not even there. God knows how fragile we are, how temporary and how fleeting our existence is. Do we know that? Oh, man. Psalm 8.3, the psalmist says this, I look up at your macro skies, I'm reading from the message, I look up at your macro skies, dark and enormous, your handmade sky jewelry, <laughs> moon and stars mounted in their settings, and then I look at my micro self and I wonder, why do you bother with us? Why do you take a second look our way? And for whatever reason, when, when the world is heavy on my shoulders, when the weight of all the brokenness and all the pain is heavy, this is relieving to me. The pressure or compulsion to matter, to be relevant, to be significant and influential, or my, any other human ambition for myself, or even when I think I'm doing it for God, is somehow alleviated because God knows who we are. God knows. God knows. And even in this, Psalm 103, verse 17, going on, but the Lord continually shows loyal love to his faithful followers and is faithful to their descendants, to those who keep his covenant, who are careful to obey his commands. What does it mean to us that a loyal, loving God knows who we are but remains faithfully devoted to us? The, 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 the phrase that I thought of is significant insignificance, right? That's who we are. That this eternal, powerful, creating into existence all things God would put on, we, we sang about this, Emmanuel, God with us, that this eternal, powerful, creating into all things, right? Bringing all things into existence, this God would put on temporary, weak, distracted, imperfect flesh to be with us. To demonstrate that kind of love to us in this tragically broken world. And I had to pause here when I was reflecting on the psalm and be like, God, remind me again how you've been demonstrating your loyal love to me. It's good to take pauses in life and be like, okay, God, in the middle, in the, you know in the perfect time to reflect on this? When you feel overwhelmed. Okay, pause. God, how have you been showing up? Where have I been taking you for granted? Where have I overlooked your patient loyal love to me. Verse 19, 
The Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom extends over everything. Oh, there is nothing, nowhere, right? Where his kingdom is not. Praise the Lord, you angels of his, you powerful warriors who carry out his decrees and obey his orders. Praise the Lord, all you warriors of his, you servants who carry out his desires. Praise the Lord, all that he has made in all the regions of his kingdom. Praise the Lord, oh my soul. Yeah. Praise the Lord, all that he has made in all the regions. Like there's no, no one's excluded, right? This is, I love this because he's like all in. Let everything that has breath <laughs> praise the Lord, right? Who is praiseworthy? It's not us. It's not our work. It's not our burden, right? It's not us. It's God. Heads up, people. Eyes up. Heart alive. Will surrendered. Arms open. Feet moving. Praise God with your every breath and with your whole being. The New Testament writer, Paul, he wrote, whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of God, right? out of his faithful, patient, loyal love. Do everything out of that place in that position. The same author who questioned, who I read at the beginning, who questioned God and God's faithfulness said this too. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. There is little, let's just be honest, there is little that we can count on there's a reason the psalmist is telling us all the time, put your hope in the Lord. <laughs> Don't trust in your armies. Don't trust in all your horses. Don't trust in what you've accumulated. You know, he was in the palace and he was in the cave. And he's like, you know what? I'll tell you where to put your trust and your hope. In God. In his unfailing love towards us. Right? There's little that we can count on, but I want to encourage you this morning to put your hope in the faithful, steadfast, towering love of God. Become obsessed and enamored with that love demonstrated by God through Jesus. Allow the Holy Spirit to quicken and animate your whole being. Doubt will come. Fear will come your way. Anxiety, worry, trials, temptations. In fact, James is like, consider it pure joy, right? This stuff, we are not promised an escape from any of it. We're not. But we are promised that God will remain the same. The same faithful God that we read about in every story in the word. The story, the Bible, the big ark, man, there's humans and there's God, <laughs> right? God is faithful. God is steadfast. God is true. And as we close out 2018 and we move into the new year, there's a change, right? There's a change that happened last year. It's like, oh man, it's going to be a better year. And by better year, I mean less of all of the stuff, right? That is a really bad expectation. I am setting myself up for complete failure and disappointment, right? I'm going to be in Jeremiah forever if I live like that. But as we close out 2018 and we move into this new year, let's determine, you guys, let's just determine, church, to do, rely more and more on the faithful love of God. Let's do that. I want to close with a passage from 1 John chapter 4, my favorite passage. I'm going to read this and then we'll end. The writer says this, this is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. This is the kind of love we're talking about, not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage that they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love one another. No one has seen God ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. 
This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He has given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it heart and soul, this love that comes from God. God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house becomes at home and matures in us so that we're free of worry. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling a fearful life, a fear of death, a fear of judgment, it's one that's not fully formed yet in love. Oh God, would you mature us in your loyal love? He closes and says this, we though are going to love. We are going to love. Say it. We are going to love. We're going to love and we're going to be loved. Because first we were loved and now we love. He loved us first. He loved us first. Let's grab a hold of that. Let's live in that. Faithful, loyal, towering, towering, surging love that God has for us. Yeah? Let's do that. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your steadfast, faithful love to us. When we're not looking, before we were even searching, before we had any idea, your love was surging towards us. Captured our hearts, got a hold of us, arrested us. And I pray, God, wherever we're at in our walk with you and our journey with you, wherever our faith is today, however high, however low, I pray that you would um, continue to teach us and show us and wrap us up in and overwhelm us with, saturate our lives with the love that you have for us. Would you awaken us, awaken our hearts, make us alive again. Cause, breathe new life into us, God, in areas where there is death or oldness or graves god would you breathe your life let your love resurrect renew restore and revive today send us reminders this week god let us be a body that is encouraging one another let your holy spirit be alive in us to um, lift up to build up and to cheer up one another god we um, anticipate another year of journeying with you of loving you more um, of learning about this faithful love that you have for us. Thank you, God, for the ways that you have showed up, like Jamie prayed earlier. Thank you for the ways that you have been faithful and steadfast and true. Help us to reflect that in our neighborhood and in the world around us. We love you, Jesus.